Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Palms up, everyone. This Palm Sunday. These are the cleanest they've ever looked. It's really getting great. So, how does it feel, okay, when you've missed out on something just because you were distracted? Think about that. Some will miss out, okay, and they'll forget it. Others will miss out and regret it. Seekers will find it because they get it. Let me read that again. Some will miss out and forget it. It doesn't care. They don't care. Others will miss out and regret it. But seekers, those who look for, will find it because they get it. Here's the big idea. If you're missing out on Jesus Christ today, you're missing out big time. You see, paying attention is very important for every one of us, isn't it? Paying attention, that's what we were told when we were kids, you know, pay attention, pay attention. I'm like, I've got a couple of bucks in my pocket. Who do I pay for the attention? I don't know. Pay attention. Uh, I think later on they were just wanting me to shut up and not do anything in class. However, there are certain situations in life which will betray you if you do not pay attention. One of which is train crossings. In the U.S., since 1981, it started out there was about over 9,000 collisions in the U.S. per year and that number of people who died, fatalities, because of people crossing the track at the wrong time, the exact wrong time, was about 700. Now, fast forward all the way to today, that number has steadily gone down. So we have about 1,800, close to 2,000 in 2020, and then only about 200 deaths. But you've got to think about it. What is going on in your mind that you feel that it's okay to not pay attention when a train is coming. Because I'll tell you, my friends, these trains travel, let's say, at 55 miles an hour. A train traveling 55 miles an hour, it takes a full mile, that is 18 football fields, end to end to stop. So you have absolutely zero chance of making it through that. That train is not going to stop. Besides all of that, a train can weigh up to 400,000 pounds. That's 200 tons. They can even even weigh up to 6,000 tons. And and the, the ratio of what we're talking about here is the ratio of a car and a Coke can. And you see what happens when a Coke can hits, I mean, excuse me, a big Coke can hits the car. No, when the car runs over a Coke can, there's nothing left. That's, that's the ratio of a car to a moving train. And you say, well, why aren't people paying attention when something that is so deadly is on the line? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But mostly, people are just focused on something else and being distracted and not thinking about what they're supposed to do, which is drive Albuquerque, by the way. I drive these streets, and I know what you're doing, and I'm not, I'm not thankful for it. I mean, you see somebody in front of you driving like that, and you're like, uh-oh. Used to be DWI. Now it's like texting 
or whatever going on and people driving fast, not paying attention when you should be paying attention. You're in a potential lethal situation. There's other ways to be distracted, right? Uh, you can be distracted with work or things that are good, you know, but you're just not paying attention. Years ago, I was a, a coach in one of these little peewee ball league guys, and none of those kids deserve to be playing basketball, but their parents brought them and paid for their jersey. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. You've got to speak the truth up here, you know. There you go. Now, my friend, we were co-coaching this team. He had to be out of town. He had something to do. So I was taking care of the team. Sunday, Saturday afternoon, I had to work that evening, and uh, everything's great. It's perfect. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, we're about halfway through the game, and I look over, and I see my friend's wife, and she comes into the side of the, the, the gym, and she's looking at me like, and she starts walking around, and she's still looking at me, walks all the way until she finds me, and she leans up to me, and she goes, I have to talk to you. I said, okay, what's on your mind? She said, well, the church just called, and they said that you're supposed to be at a wedding, officiating the wedding, 30 minutes ago. I had one of those moments. <clears throat> that I felt I missed out because I was distracted. I was distracted in a big way, and I was just thinking, how did I manage to ruin someone's day? Like a wedding day, you know, it's just, it's not cool on any level for any reason. You know, I had met with a couple, we'd done the premarital counseling, and we got the dates ready, we'd all laughed, and oh, it's going to be so good, and I wasn't there. I was in shorts and a pair of tennis shoes and about 45 minutes away from getting to where I needed to be. Luckily, I had instituted a law among the pastoral staff is that if you're here, you need, everybody needs to keep a suit in the building in case there's an emergency. And thank goodness there was a pastor in the building and there was a suit in the building and that couple got married. But needless to say, I never looked them in the eye ever again. <laughs> it's important to pay attention, isn't it? Now, we've stated in the beginning that seekers are the ones who find it because they get it. Seekers are those who are looking for God. They're seeking for God. Others are not looking for them and they, they don't really care. Others may have not looked for them early on in their life, but they regret it and repent and, and begin to look for God. But what was going on in Israel at this time was that all of the scripture and all of the history that they had gone through, and you read through it in the Old Testament, was culminating in this visitation, this week prior to the resurrection this week would, would entail the Passover. He goes to the temple. He rebukes the religious leaders. And he, I'm telling you, this is a powerful week. Why? Because early on, 
God had created an, his own people group. He did that out of a promise to Abraham and to Sarah, to Isaac and to Jacob. And then they grew up in Egypt for over 400 years and eventually went in to the land that God had promised. And they got kicked out and they got in trouble because they kept getting distracted away from God with other gods. But there was this promise that there would be another leader like Moses who came along. Moses had no parallel in Israel's history as leaders. I mean, he was the top. But he even said that, that there would be another one, one who was an anointed one, the Messiah, who would come along and free his people. Well, out in the wilderness, the children of Israel got in trouble with God. Why did they do that? Well, it was because that they didn't pay attention to what he wanted. Even though they had seen all of these wonderful things, they still would complain against God and seek to remove themselves from him and even worship other gods. That, my friends, is something that is an affront to God. They were distracted, even though God was doing all of these wonderful things. But something was happening in Israel. You had this guy by the name John the Baptist. He was in the southern part of Judea, so he was the first Southern Baptist. And um, look it up. It's in the Bible. Don't even start. Okay? It was a camel hair suit, the whole thing. All right. I've told that joke before, and it was just as bad the first time as it is now. Very stable. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Then the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. God says, when it comes to me, if you're seeking after me, then that's a good thing. And some will say that you can't seek after God until he puts this magic thing on you and then you can seek after him. What, you go work that out on a chalkboard somewhere, but the, the idea is that throughout history, God's called his people and called people in the world to be alert and to pay attention to what he is doing, okay? It's never good to ignore God, especially if you're living in his backyard, all right? Makes sense. In Matthew chapter 21, we, we come across the scene, okay, where they were approaching Jerusalem and they went up to the Mount of Olives and they, Jesus was now on his official campaign into Jerusalem. This was Passover week, okay? He goes up and all the people get together and they're like, this is it. You see, many were seekers who were going out to John's baptism. John was calling people out, come out from among them. John and Jesus were, were both out in the, in the countryside, and, and John was baptizing. And it, the idea is that come and repent and be baptized because the kingdom of heaven is near. That means the Messiah is near. All of the promises are near. This is a special time, so be baptized, get cleansed, be ready for what God has for you. And there were people who didn't care about the status quo. They didn't care about all of the religious requirements. What they cared about is they wanted God around, okay? And God responds to that, and God loves that, okay? That, that, we read that all the way through the Old Testament. That, that's, very, that's a very telling thing. 
that if a person will look after God, he will say, listen, you knock, you look, and you're going to find me, and I'm going to give it to you. There's not going to be any mistake here. You don't have to worry about it. I am faithful. So the Messiah now shows up to the big city, the place with the temple and all of the great religious leaders, and it's Passover week. And so there's all of this preparation, and the place is just bumping. You know, it's, it's just packed. People are there, and it's exciting. So he shows up, and the people who knew about him, and po- possibly a lot of the folks from the Galilean uh, uh, rural area, as well as in Jerusalem, heard that he was coming, saw that he was coming, and they got really excited. And so he said, hey, go ask this guy over there. He's going to have a, 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 a full of a donkey bring him to me. Everything's going to be fine. So he got on top of the, the donkey and started riding into the city. And um, this was in fulfillment of what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, this is verse 521. See your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And his disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on there. And a very large crowd began to spread cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees, palm trees, and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went out ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heaven. You see, that was, these were the songs of ascents. These come from Psalm 118. And so if you were heading up to Jerusalem, this is the song that you would be singing, you know? Blessed is he who comes in the name. I don't know how. I just looked at Jeremy, so I thought of this song. Terrible song. But, you know, like when I was growing up, we rode like in a bus, you know, to go somewhere. Uh, and, you know, the best songs we ever had were like 99 beers on the wall, 99 beers on the wall take one down, pass it around. And so that may be why there were so many kids with drinking problems during that time. I don't know. But this was a different environment. You get, you get the party here. The party is here about God. And we're going up to the, celebrate the Passover. Okay. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, it says in verse 10, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. This is the guy that we saw doing amazing things. He healed people. He did all of these miracles. He fed over 5,000 people. He just broke this bread. And the words that he has to say, what was spoken of of Jesus uh, from his admirers was this, is that when he spoke, he didn't speak like the religious leaders of his day, but rather he spoke as someone who had authority. And they wanted that, and they heard that. And so when he, he was approaching Jerusalem, they were thinking, this is the signal, man. This is it. This is the Messiah. This is the one. But in just a few short days, another crowd will arise and they're going to cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Remember, we were going through the series of travelers. And when God had the children of Israel out in the desert and Moses was with them and they went up to the edge of the land of Canaan, he sent in spies 
And most of the spies came back and said, all these are their giants there. We can't do it. There's nothing. It's not going to work. And then there were two, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can do it. Why do you think we can do it? These guys are giants. Because the Lord is with us. We can do it. And so it was a small majority, but they blew their blessing. The large majority did. And only a few got to go in from that generation because God said, listen, if you're not going to pay attention to the miracles I did, if you're going to fault all the manna and the food that I've been feeding you and the quail and the pillar of, of, of light at night and the cloud by day and, 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 and by the way, we cross on dry, dry land through the Red Sea. All of that, if you want to blow that away and just say, I want to go back to Israel, I want to go back to Egypt and be a slave. He said, you're not going to go in. Your kids are going to go in, but not you. And we talked about that last week. But here's the picture again. It's happening again. Because God is doing a new thing, a promised thing with his son, Jesus. You get that? There are those there who are excited and are going, yes, he's the one. But the majority will say, no, we can't do it. And so there's a rejection There's a rejection of all of his miracles, the rejection of his word, rejection of everything. And this is going to cause calamity for his people, his chosen people. Now, when we say chosen people, we're not saying this and like, well, God looked around the world and the best people in the world were these people. And so he chose them. He was making a point to the whole world that had been in rebellion against him saying, I'm going to have a separate group that are going to listen to me, and I'm going to give them laws, and, and they're going to stop murdering, and they're going to stop doing stuff they're not, not supposed to do, and I want to, here's the laws, and I'm going to, you're going to treat each other right, and I'm going to show the nations through you what I intend the world to be like. You're supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles. But the Messiah would come, and he would be the real one who would make all of that possible. And the tragedy of Palm Sunday is that the whole city didn't repent and see him. In fact, here's some words. Most missed it. He was the real Passover lamb, but they rejected him. If you don't know what the Passover is, I don't have time to tell you that right now. You can look it up online. It's pretty exciting. Most missed him. You see, he was the one who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for his people's sins, for the sins of anybody who would call upon his name. But nobody was paying attention. No, not nobody. Few were paying attention. All right. Matthew 21, verse 18 Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. And I'm sure, you know, the guys were thinking right off the bat, like, wow, kind of harsh on that tree there, you know, Lord. And someone would go, well, I don't think he's had coffee. It's probably low blood sugar. I don't know. But you know how you get when you get hungry. 
the olive tree and the grapevine and the fig tree were all symbolic and completely tied into the identity of Israel. And so he symbolically said, you're not bearing me any fruit. Am I designed you to bear fruit? You know, fruit is really important if you have fruit trees because those trees have to be maintained and those trees have to be cultivated and those trees are meant to produce fruit. I love fruit. I do. I love eating fruit almost all kinds. I'm on a diet right now that I can only eat a few, but they're awesome. I'm thankful for it. But if you find a tree that doesn't bear any fruit, what's the point? And that's his point. He says, you've been given a job as a tree, but you're not doing it. Israel, you've been given a job to bear my name and be a light to the world, but you're not. And I'm here, and you're going to miss it. Missing out big time. Chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will, not be, will be taken away from you, given to a people who will produce fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone to whom it falls will be crushed. What does that mean? Well, there was a story about, you know, they had lots of stone quarries in that day. You notice most of, the, most of the buildings were built out of stone and wood, but mostly stone. And so you'd have big quarries with people hammering out and, and making stones that will fit together in a building. Well, there's this cornerstone that is Im imperative to get everything else lined up. And someone, a workman, had tossed it over into the junk pile. And he said the stone that was rejected actually became the cornerstone of everything. And he says, you know, that's me. You've rejected me. But I'm actually the cornerstone of the true building of God that he will make. Okay? That, that's a really big distinction that he's making there. And he says, because of this, he said, because of this, okay, your kingdom is going to be given to another people who will produce fruit. Now, it's not that there were any better people than the Hebrew people, than the Jewish folks, the Israelites in the world. It's not like, yeah, you're the worst than everybody, so we'll find another group. No. What Jesus did when he died on the cross and then subsequently was raised again and then went into the world and eventually ascended into heaven. What he was doing there was opening up something new that the whole world could benefit. And it would be based upon nothing more than your love for God, your love for Jesus, period. That's it. That's the big picture. That's that group of people. They come from everywhere. They got the worst old accent. Some of them are very proper. You know, just they're everywhere, every color, Shape, size, gender, doesn't matter. He wants a people group that want him. Get that. That want him. Get, settle that in your heart today that that comes from the heart of God. He wants a people group who want him. 
And so those who are paying attention will be rewarded. Get the picture? But there were those there who weren't paying attention. And this is really sad. It says, when the chief priests, in verse 45, and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held him to be a prophet. They had plots to kill him. Can you imagine the regret you would have someday if you're one of those guys where you found out, what? I was a part of a plot to kill the Son of God? Man, talk about missing out. Talk about missing it. But think about it. If, if, if they're in charge, okay, and they're running the whole show, well, Jesus becomes a challenge to their authority and to their power. And today, I can't understand why anybody would hate Jesus. You know? I can understand why they don't like Christians. I mean, I don't like half of them anyway, you know, so. And neither do you say it. It's true. Okay. Now, um, but why would someone hate Jesus the way that he taught? It's because, you know, he's really loving and he's kind and he's good. Yes, he is. But he will challenge your authority in this world. Amen? God challenges human authority in this world. He does. And if you have enough of it and you want it, he says to you, hey, I'm telling you right now, the place is going to be a wreck. It's going to be empty. It's going to be worthless. You're not going to have any of this. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. Let's get rid of him. He is the only one who has the right to challenge us in that way. The creator can ask of his creation anything. And that's what he was doing. He showed up and said, I've given you the scriptures. I've given you the prophets. I've given you everything that you need to know to realize that this is your day. Don't pull out in front of of that train. There's a guard going down here. Pay attention to it. Well, no, because you're not the boss of me. Okay, have fun on the front of that train. Chapter 23 comes after Jesus. A couple of days, Jesus had been speaking and rebuking and really just hammering it home. That, man, you guys got to wake up and pay attention. Because this is critical. Earlier he came into the city. And he, he wept and said, Jerusalem, if you would have only known the things that made for peace. In a world that we're living in right now where it seems like peace is diminishing. Personal peace. Unilateral peace. Peace between people who vote different ways, think different ways, whatever it may be, peace just seems to be diminishing and diminishing. And he comes to a world and he said, if you would only know what, what makes for peace, but if you're not seeking peace and if you're not looking for it, you don't care. And that's his point. Verse 23 sums up a whole, uh, chapter 23, verse 37, sums up a whole, really just diatribe that he just lays it on the religious leaders and says, you know what, you guys, you think you're it, but you're not. 
You know, they're the, these laws that you're attending to, they're good, but you don't have the heart that you should have. You know, guys, it's good to go out and serve. It's good to read your Bible. It's good to pray. There's nothing wrong necessarily with being religious about your devotion to God, but where it blows is it. It's where that becomes the focus and you miss out and you've so distanced yourself from God <clears throat> that he can show up and you're ready to kill him because he's given you a hard time about what you're doing. You see, a person that's seeking him would go, ooh, who is that? See that over there? Who's that? You never know. You never know when you've been visited by an angel unaware or God maybe comes by. You know, I always think of that when I'm in Whole Foods. I'll see that kind of odd person that's a little bit dressed nicer than everybody else. Hmm. Did you see that? They look normal to me. I'm going to keep my eye on them. Never know when Jesus is going to show up. But a person who is seeking after God will take his rebuke and say, what have we done wrong? We, we've got to get things right with you. Someone else will be offended and ready to fight, even kill. That's the, that's the big difference, okay? We all get that. Verse 37 is so sad, but it's a reminder for all of us. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I, would have lo- I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house, the temple, is left to, left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. pitching back to his first day in Jerusalem of this week. What happened? Well, what happened was is that the Romans came in and 40 years later they came in. They were tired of all the insurrections and Titus with his Roman legions came in and completely destroyed the place, burned it, and it was uninhabitable, and the temple was gone. And truly, Jesus saw it coming, and he knew what was going to happen. You see, this is what I call the mother hen effect. Jesus identifies himself as that mother hen, because there's, there's um, true stories abound of what happens in, in farmhouses or chicken coops, uh, there's a high probability in many cases of fire and fire breaks out and it's devastating. But when it happens, oftentimes they find chicken who are, or hens who are burnt and dead, okay? And underneath them are still live chicks who have been saved from the flames by the wings of their mom. And that's the picture. He says, I'm the Passover lamb. My blood will be shed for your blood. I'll die in the fire blast for you. And how many times have I wanted to do that? But you won't. You won't. And because you won't pay attention, you are exposing yourself to the fire. That's why we pay attention and we look for what God has to say. 
Because when he has something to say, he has something to say, right? He does. Because he loves you. Why do people warn you? You know, hey, there's a car coming. Get out of the street. You're not the boss of me. I don't have to do what you say. No, you don't. Here's God. And here is the way that we should be looking at our relationship with him. Okay? Psalm 17, verse 8 says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, 1 says, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Psalm 61, 4 says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your, what? Wings. Psalm 91 says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You get the picture? You get what's going on here? God says, come on in here. You guys aren't safe, but I'll take care of you. And it may, and it even will cost my life in the sake of Jesus to be hidden under that protective wing. I will take the full brunt of what you deserve in your sin. I will take all of that. Even though I don't deserve it, I'm doing it because I love you. I will protect you because I love you. But you won't listen. And that's the problem. You see, in our pride... We think it weak to be called a baby chicken. You mean none of you big strong men around here want to be called a baby chicken? Well, Jesus called himself a mother hen. It's pretty cool, actually. Our pride says, no, 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 no. I can make this out of my own, man. I know how to do this. I don't need anything. And Jesus is saying, you know how many times I've wanted to put you under my wing and take care of you? And he's speaking to his people who are supposed to carry this forward. And he's saddened and hurt by it. You should have known what would have made for peace. That's why paying attention to God makes so much more sense. You like to be distracted, right? During COVID, what's one of the most important things that you do during the week? Well, honey, I think we only have four options to binge watch this week. Honey, let's look at our bank account. The algorithm on my Instagram says that I should buy these pair of shoes, but they're like 400 bucks. Put in the promo code and it'll go down to 50%. Okay, great, perfect. Politics, call to me and comfort me with your wickedness. Yeah, I gotta think about that. Boy, you gotta, we gotta think this through. Some countries out there doing evil things. Yes, they are. My friends. We're supposed to be paying attention to God and looking around. And well, what's God doing? Is he at Whole Foods? No. But where is he? What's he doing? What is he saying? 
Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? What are you calling me to do? I need to pay attention to you and I need to be looking for you because there could be something really big going on like a train coming. Like a big fire. And God would pull you from that train out of the way and God would cover you and protect you in that fire. He's not meant us to be caught up in that. We're meant to pay attention. And those who seek and find, we're not going to get everything right. We're not going to figure everything out. But I tell you what, if you're looking for God, you're going to find him. And if you're not, you're not. Those who seek him, right? Those who miss out, they'll forget it. Others will miss out and regret it. Seekers will find it because they get it. If you look for it, God's going to say, hey, dummy, over here. You ever do that with your kids when they're first little and they're, they're hunting Easter eggs? The older kids are ripping off all the eggs really quick and the toddlers are out there like this. And you're like kind of standing around the egg. Come over here, honey. Come see what's on daddy's foot. Oh, get out of here, Junior. God will direct you to where you want to be. That's the way he is. But where you and I need to be every day in this world is under the shadow of his wings. I remember a song wrote and written a few years ago. It said, under the shadow of your wings, I hear the angels. Under the shadow of your wings, I hear their call. Under the shadow of your wings, voices are singing, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen. I pray that we'll find shelter under the shadow of his wings and that we will receive all that he wants to give to us. Most of us don't even know how much and how, whatever that is. But I pray we find it. Because if you look, knock, listen, he's going to be there. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you're missing out big time. Big time. I'm not saying that to cast any aspersion on you. I'm just simply saying, don't regret it and don't ignore it. Seek it and get it. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for such a wonderful, festive day that is so much fun, such a celebration. But Lord, oh, it was so, so serious. And we feel it in our time, God. Man, there's a lot going on, and we know that we want to be right where you are, right in the, wherever it is, God. And so, Lord, we're going to knock, we're going to seek, we're going to look after you. And, we, and, Lord, we pray that you direct us to where you want us to be, doing what you want us to do, to the praise and honor of your name and to the betterment of your kingdom that is everlasting, above all, without equivalence, without rival. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for your people. 
Jesus' name. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.